back. back. Welcome to another season two of the No Look Lakers podcast. We are back. Dimitri's back. Kenny's back. How you feeling, man? Feeling good, man. Two months away from the season, and we already got a lot to fucking talk about. I'm excited. I know, man. After the Lakers lost in the first round to the Suns, you know, it just... I just couldn't wait for the offseason to start. And then during the finals, I think it was like game four or five, I texted you and you were like, dude, free agency starts in two weeks. And I was like, yes, <laughs> let's go. Let's go. And we're here, man. We're here. A lot, of, a lot of things to catch up on. A lot of things to catch up on. Too much. Too much, man. The Lakers pretty much gutted their roster again. Just made a little change at the top. And then a lot of changes in the middle. But, dude. Might as well start with, man, Russell Westbrook, come on home. Come on home. Russell Westbrook is a fucking Laker. Man. That's just crazy. <laughs> it still, like, doesn't feel real. Yeah, it really doesn't feel real because, first off, I never thought I'd be rooting for Westbrook on my favorite team. <laughs> and yeah, same. I, I mean, I didn't think that Rob was going to pull the trade with KCP, the manna from heaven, Kuz, you know, Harold. Like, I didn't think Harold was going to opt in. I thought it wasn't going to happen, man. And it was one of the first trades announced <laughs> all the whole offseason. Man, shout out Rob Polinka, dude. A lot He's of rebuilt the roster three years in a row. Like, and it's completely rebuilt it. It's not like we're not. I mean, dude, I don't. we don't have to get back into this, but last year they were a title contender until injuries caught up to them. Like, let's get that out of the way. He had two title contenders, and now we have the opportunity to have three straight years of title contention. Can you believe that? No, I mean, it's insane. I mean, imagine if LeBron had Rob Palenka's entire career. Again, Rob Palenka's working with LeBron and Anthony Davis, so, like, it makes his job a lot easier. But he's doing a hell of a job of building a roster around them, admitting his mistakes, and moving on and just getting better. It's it's just great to see. I mean, no one's perfect, and he's made some mistakes, I feel like, at times, but he's living and learning, and, man, this Lakers roster got better. That's all I know. Yep. And I just feel like for any GM to have a title, like only a handful of teams have a title window. The Lakers are one of them. And he wasn't afraid to roll the dice. Even last year, after a championship season, struggled to even re-sign Dwight. Traded the starting shooting guard for Dennis. Picked up Harold from the other side of the locker room in, in Clipperland. And he was like, you know, let's let's make this happen. But yeah. with the roster, I mean, he said, you know, that didn't work. Those guys were looking for paydays. And I don't know if, um, you know, Malik Monk and Kendrick Nunn are trying to get paydays out of this. But when you're on a minimum contract, it doesn't feel like they're here for a payday. You know, they're here to play their role, shoot some threes. And compete for a freaking championship, and I'm here for it, man. I'm super here for it. That's the one thing I've really noticed this year with all the signings. Like, everyone's been like, I'm coming in to compete for my spot and ultimately compete for a championship. That's the common goal among everybody. And I feel like that's one thing that was probably missed in last year's roster. I mean, Dennis came in demanding a starting spot, basically. We'll get into Dennis later, but, I mean, that just... Like, there hasn't been a two-guard that's been signed. We don't know who's starting at the two yet. Yep, um, we have no idea. Yeah. Which is, I feel like, a good thing. Like, I feel like you need healthy competition in training camp. You need people to, like, need to compete for those roles. But all ultimately, everyone's competing for that common goal of a championship. And it's just kind of a breath of fresh air again. And also just bringing in those vet guys. You know, Carmelo's 36, bro. He came in and said, I'm just trying to shoot my way, play my role, sacrifice, and win a championship. Ariza. Same thing. Like, I'm not too... I mean, we could get into the rosters later, but, like, I'm not high on Ariza, but he's a championship guy. You know, he, he knows right. what how to be a vet. Stay focused. And, like, those are the type of guys that you want to have on your team. It's like, when they want when they play, they know what to do. They can compete, but they'll probably also hold the team accountable. You know what I mean? Right. It's exciting 100% stuff. agree. But, yeah, let's get into Westbrook, bro. Man. All right, so first things first. I'm not saying he's Russell Westbrook of 2015, 2016, or anything like that. But if you watched any Wizards games last year, which, again, I don't know why I did, but I watched (laughs) Wizards games at the end of last year, and he was still pretty damn close to Russell Westbrook. 
He like willed them into the playoffs, like a little mini uh, Kobe 2013. Like they went on, I think it was like 21 and eight to end the year or something like that. Jeez. And he struggled early in the year last year, um, but he got it going and he showed he's still Russell Westbrook. I mean, he averaged what 22, 11 and 11. <laughs> Who averages twenty two eleven and eleven? Like only Russell Westbrook, right? Right. Um, and he, I mean, he played what sixty five out of seventy two games, which you know, that's kind of the thing that it was most important to me is that they they not only didn't re sign a unhappy uh, starting shooting guard or point guard in Dennis, they brought in Russell Westbrook, who is turning thirty three this year, so he's definitely not you know the the late twenties prime player anymore, but. It's way better than bringing in Chris Paul or Kyle Lowry because those guys are 35-36. You know what I mean? If we could get two good solid years out of Westbrook, who's averaging 22-11-11, like that, I'll take it any day of the week. Chris Paul, you saw how limited he was in the playoffs. I mean, of course, he had like a broken hand or something. But even then, he looked like a shell of himself. And again, when you're a 5'10 point guard that's 36, I think I'd much rather have the 6'3", 6'4", athletic springy guy who can actually run the offense and play some defense but dude you were saying 22 11 and 11 russell westbrook last season was first in assists with 763 assists and he he was first in the league with 11.7 like that's just ridiculous and he was seventh in rebounds 750 rebounds so six players in that whole nba had more rebounds than russell westbrook last season and by averaging an 11 and a half he was sixth in the league in average rebounds. Like, only five players had more rebounds average than him. Like, that's who, insane, dude. Who does that? Who does that? Russell Westbrook does. <clears throat> so, my favorite thing about the Russell Westbrook signing, or trade for, or whatever, is I feel like it's more with the mindset of maximizing Anthony Davis than anything. We know Anthony Davis isn't going to play the five all year. Like, he's not going to start at the five. Like, I, I already know that. But you look at last year's roster, and when LeBron was off the court from the six-minute mark till the end of the first, beginning of the second kind of thing, and it was Anthony Davis-led roster, even when they were 21-6, and six, those teams struggled. But now LeBron can come out at the six-minute mark, and you still have Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis playing together. Yes. It's like when they had Rondo. Rondo came in, and he knew how to get the ball to Anthony Davis, get Anthony Davis in his sweet spots. And there wasn't a huge drop-off in the offense. Yeah, because if, if he can't get it to AD, you know you're at least probably going to get Westbrook trying to make a play or trying to get to the hoop. And even if AD miss, takes a shot, misses it, someone on the three-point takes a shot, misses it, Westbrook's going to be in there trying to get a rebound. Right. Well, and just, that's ooh, the other thing, just... too, is Anthony Davis doesn't rebound like that. A no. lot. He does sometimes. But he's not a 12-13 rebound-a-game guy. Like He's just not. So if he's playing the five heavy minutes in the playoffs, which we're both planning for, all of a sudden you got 12 rebounds coming out of your guard spot. And again, that's helping Anthony Davis. And Yeah, I, I imagine Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook playing all of their minutes together for the most part. Such uh, an upgrade from the Dennis AD minutes. <laughs> oh, it's insane, dude. It's just absolutely insane. And then you got... So you probably play LeBron. You probably play the three of them together, the first six of the first... First six of the third, and final six-ish of the fourth, maybe final four-ish of the second. So you got like half of their minutes together, like all three of them. But Anthony Davis and Russ probably played the entire their entire time together. Like it just makes sense to me personally. I agree, man. And even last season, dude, when it was Dennis and AD, Dennis was so passive to AD that AD was just lingering on the on the wing, trying to create like a guard. And it's like. I feel it. You can do that. Right. I know he was trying to play his way into game shape, but he's going to come into this season healthy, and he's probably going to want to be on the block or get to his spots, and Westbrook's going to find him. And I'm just so ready for this. <laughs> so ready to see it happen, man. Oh, man. It's just it's going to be so much different. And, like, here's the thing. We're going to get frustrated with Russ at times. Like, I already know it. But, like, you don't trade for Russell Westbrook and don't let him be Russell Westbrook. You don't try and make him a – pass first point guard that averages 14 points a game like that's not who he is he's gonna take shots at the bitter at the elbow with 19 seconds left on the shot clock that barely grazes the front rim 
but like you have to go into it like knowing that and understand that like he's Russell fucking Westbrook. <laughs> so he he had uh, 544 made field goals last season. So it was good for 14th in the league. Do you think alongside LeBron and AD that Westbrook will have more or less makes than that? 544. I think it's going to be less just because it's hard to distribute 18 shots a game for three different people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I still think he's going to get up a healthy number of shots, get a healthy number of baskets. Like, I, I imagine him hanging around, like, maybe the 21-point mark. Mm-hmm. And But I do think that his field goal percentage might increase slightly. I don't know about his three-point percentage because, I mean, he's a 30% career three-point shooter, which is insane. So I'm not expecting him to increase his, his uh, three-point shooting. I am expecting him to jump up that two-point percentage. To, exactly. You know exactly. what I mean? I mean, he was yeah. he shot 47% from two last season. It's going to be good. The way that Dennis was getting to the hoop, the way that Westbrook's able to get to the hoop better than him and finish and actually get foul calls because he's a star, I'm, I have faith. Yeah, so what's weird about Russ that, like, my only concern – I know his three-point percentage isn't going to increase. Like, I'm cool with that. I get it. But he was an 80 to 85% free throw shooter for the entirety of his career. And in the past four years, it's just fallen off a cliff. He shot 66% from the free throw line last year. Oh, damn. And like you said, he's going to be getting a lot of single coverage, probably a lot of foul calls. So if he... That's one thing I would like to see him hopefully get up into the 70s again. Like, I think that would make a big difference. Yeah, damn, I didn't even realize that looking at this. His MVP season with OKC when he 31, 10, and 10. <laughs> Just ridiculous. He shot 84% from free throw. And then the next season went down to 73. Like, what? That's pretty big of a drop-off. If he can, if, yeah, if he could bump that up. You know, that'll make up for how many field goals he's not getting because he's actually right. going to begin to the line. So here's one thing that, like, I think is really important to keep in mind. The team that we're going to see in the regular season with the way Russell Westbrook plays and the way the Lakers do things in the playoffs is going to be completely different, I feel like. And I feel like regular season Russ is going to be so important to this team. Like, we saw it last year, right? Like, we talked about it before the season started with Dennis Schroeder in our very first podcast. That Schroeder and Harrell were going to be so important last year because we're going to need someone to take the load off of LeBron and AD and have those moments where we're on a four-minute drought of not scoring and then Russ just takes it coast to coast and just yams on somebody, gets the crowd hyped. That's something we didn't have last year. Nada, man. At all. (laughs) Dude, I'm excited. Yeah, that's a good point. I wonder how many less of those... Lakers scoring drought over the last three, four, five minutes we're not going to see because Westbrook's going to go get a field goal. You know, he's going to be able to do it. Because those droughts never happened when it was LeBron and AD in the game. It was always when it was just one of them and then, you know, still playing into game shape, all that crap. Like, Westbrook, that's the benefit of having three stars, man. Exactly. And how how many teams out West have three stars? None. The Lakers. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's literally the Lakers. Let's go, man. And uh, the only other team in the league is Brooklyn and, like, borderline stars in Miami, I guess, if you include Bam in there. But that's what Rob Polinka, I feel like, gets. You trade for the star, bro. You don't go and trade. You don't make KCP the holdup between Russell Westbrook and Buddy Heald. And no offense to Buddy Heald. That man is an all-time shooter, but he's not Russell Westbrook. Yeah, exactly. It's like you find a complimentary player to the team or you just trade all the complimentary players for another star. You know, Russ is going to be 33. That's the benefit of today's modern basketball where it's like one and done, two and done, rather than right. three or four years. Like, I think back to when Charles Barkley tried ring chasing with the Rockets. You know what I'm saying? And he was like, I don't know how old he was, but I'd assume he was like 35, 36 trying to join that team. And by then he's gassed and old. Right. It's like, dude. We got a, we still got a relatively young guard, and he can still carry well, an I mean, offense, yeah. carry a defense. It's going to be amazing. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Too. I mean, even looking at the Lakers, Gary Payton and Carl Malone when they joined in 0304. Well, they were like, like they were way past their prime. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. that wasn't even. That's like 
they were camp coming in to be starters and the third and fourth options when in reality they should have been in the Carmelo Anthony role for the Lakers currently. You yeah. know what I mean? But, man, I really am excited for the playoffs when Anthony Davis is playing the five, and I think, like, we'll see, like, the full, what this potential of this team and what they can be. But I, I'm really hoping we see some of that in spurts, like into the second, closing lineups where we see the three of them together with just two shooters around them. And just, man, just get to work, get busy. Yeah, I guess it's a good time to, to get into the the rest of the roster that they added, man. They did not hold back on saying, hey, you know, we're already paying Russ 44. LeBron's getting paid 41, AD's getting paid 35, and, you know, the other guys have to just be minimum guys, and it's crazy to see, like, Monk shot 40% from three last season, none. He shot 38% from three last season. Wayne Ellington, 38% from his first career. Those are three solid guys, and we don't even know which one of them's going to start, but having that firepower off the bench is even better because Malik Monk, I didn't realize he only played 42 games last year, but they were all off the bench. Exactly. And, and when he's coming off the bench hitting 85 threes out of 212, that's what's up, man. I'm down for that, you know? None came well, off. I think none came off the bench for most of his games last year, too, or he started 44 games. But 122 threes? Like, Lakers didn't have any of that last year. No. And, like, the thing with Malik Monk is he can create his own three, too. Like, he got the catch and shoot he got the off the dribble he got going a defender going underneath the screen pull up oh he's nice. got the whole package as a shooter man like he's only 23 years old like he's still figuring out his game the hornets for some reason renounce his rights that's Weird. the only thing that like concerned me like just a little bit <laughs> like, yeah and as i was looking up his stats too i was wondering if his last season shooting was an outlier because before the last season he shot like 30 percent from three then like 25 percent it was pretty bad so maybe that's why they were like you know what we got to move on from this guy we got all this other young talent around us um, yeah and that's the thing and i mean that's the beauty of the lakers having 12 i feel like this lakers 12-man roster right now are the players that are going to play the final three guys that they sign are going to be hopefully deadly and then two guys that are into the bench guys coming in a pinch or young guys it might be some of these rookies that they signed undrafted yeah that just don't need to play so we got 12 guys and it's like there's going to be two guys out of the rotation so if it's monk it's monk if it's not it's not but that's the beauty of it dude even baysmore first off can you believe baysmore's 32 years old no dude he looks <laughs> he straight up always looks like he's like 25 <laughs> Man, it was a long. It's been, it's been a long time since he was a Laker, and then signed that big contract with Atlanta. Yeah, man. Damn. But even last season, he I think all of his games off the bench uh, with the Warriors, he's seventy five, one hundred eighty four from three, man, forty percent. Like, that's what's up. And if yep. he's if he's the guy, he's the twelfth man coming off the bench and like barely getting minutes. If he can go two for five, two for six from three, we're cool. Like, at least get those shots up, man. Carmelo, too, dude. I didn't realize Carmelo, even at 36, played 69 games last year. 66 yeah, of them man. off the bench, and he hit 133 threes. I know that the Blazers' offense was pretty much all threes anyway last right. season, but that's that's good news for us because, I mean, I don't want to see Carmelo down there banging for boards. I'd rather him be on the perimeter shooting threes. He's, he's oh, not, agreed. Yeah, he's not at that point of his career anymore where he needs to be rebounding. He just no. needs to be out there shooting, play a couple minutes here and there, and he's good. <laughs> was great. I seen a tweet the other day. It was like LeBron really let, really had Carmelo go figure out how to be a role player before he finally let him join his squad. <laughs> Can you imagine Alpha uh, Carmelo trying to be next to Alpha LeBron? No, no way. No, 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 no. Yeah, <laughs> shit. That would have been that would have gotten nasty. So I'm glad it's it's at the he came at the good time. And exactly. He, and he's saying all the right things too, you know. He what it means to be a Laker, you know. It's it's just the legacy, feeling like it's you're the top of the top of the league, and it's. I think he's really gonna embrace his role, man. Yeah, man. Um, I'm personally, I think my, I don't know if I have a favorite signing, but I'm really excited about Kendrick Nunn. The dude is a bucket getter, even at his size. 
I mean, dude's averaged 15 points a game to start his career, shooting 36% from three. He's a pesky defender. You can run him off the screens. He can get the dribble pull up into the free throw line. He can shoot the three. He can get all the way to the rim. I feel like he can play next to Russ. He can play the backup point guard to Russ. And he's young, man. Again, he's he's 26 years old. And yeah. I, I mean, I think that was a huge signing. Him and Monk, just getting some fresh legs in there, some younger legs. Um, we've all seen those old old men uh, Lakers jokes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but getting some younger legs in, I feel like, was really important. And this dude's a pure bucket getter. But he can run your offense, and he's solid defensively. So I, I, I'm super excited about that one. Dude, he showed up on the biggest stage in the 2020 finals, and there were a couple games where he was making some shots, and I was like, dude, this guy needs to stop. And if you're doing that in the finals against my favorite team, and I'm recognizing you like that, I think he finished um, top three in the rookie of the year that year, too. Oh, yeah, I think he did, yeah. To be honest, now that you bring that up, out of Malik Monk, Nunn, and even THT, Nunn started the most. That's you know, crazy. St- I, I wouldn't be surprised if none gets the starting nod. Yeah, I'm really curious because there's going to be a balance this year that's going to be a lot different between offense and defense. <laughs> yeah. I think the Lakers are banking on – they've given Vogel all the tools in the shed to play great defense the last two years, except for Harrell last year. Oh. Uh, but besides <laughs> that, it's been – They've prioritized defense over offense with almost every single one of their signings in the past two years. And this year, there's not one lockdown defender that they signed. So, I mean, I guess the best defender that they signed was Ariza. So I'm really curious to see who starts at the two guard, just in terms of, like, they need someone that can guard a wing. Because you're not going to ask LeBron to do it for 82 games. Russ is a good defender when he wants to be kind of guy. Yeah. Um, He's not going to lock down somebody. So I'm almost wondering if it's going to be Bazemore just for the defense. He might only play 18 minutes a game, but at least to start, or 15, 18 minutes a game, two shifts kind of thing, but at least to start, there's a defender out there that they can put on the other team's best player. Obviously, Bazemore's not going to lock down nobody. Yeah. Um, but I think they're banking on to see, like, all right, Vogel, if you're really a defensive coach, Sometimes it's system over players, and you got to turn this team into a defensive juggernaut too. Yeah, actually, that's I agree with that, man. Dude, he, he really lined up the offensive firepower this year, and they were just banking on him learning how to how to manage the defense. And you know, I think it's going to be good too because you're getting you're getting a, a healthy AD back. You're getting Dwight Howard back, who knows who's pretty much a defensive specialist his entire career. Right. And pretty much said, yeah, I'm just here for the, the rebounding, the, the blocks, and the hard work. Pick up a tech or two, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like I think that but just by having them back, they're really going to tear up the defense. Because, to be honest, we were really toting that defense last year for a long time. Um, oh, yeah. And I don't know if it was just the outlier-type season, but the offense was just straight killing. And, you know, came play- come playoff time, of course – you know, in the finals, it started being low, more low scoring, more intensity, but, you know, the offense is what carried the teams, and that kind of it kind of makes me wonder, like, should the Lakers have been that good at defense and actually put more uh, emphasis on the offense? But, again, that was with a team that, you know, AD and LeBron, your best players are hurt. You're just throwing scrub guys out there. I'm just playing defense. Yeah, yeah. I, I 100% agree. There's a couple points I want to make on that, one of which being – Brooklyn was like the laughing stock of the league after they made that James Harden trade because of their quote-unquote defense not being good enough to compete. Yeah. And we saw in the playoffs when those guys started to focus defensively, they started to game plan defensively for specific matchups, they weren't getting cooked like people thought they were going to. And it just shows like you can game plan a defense. I feel like you can game plan a defense better than you can game plan an offense. You need people that can get you buckets. And that's what showed in the five, games five and six of the Sun series. Without AD out there and LeBron being 80%, 85%, whatever he was, there just wasn't enough firepower. Yeah. It, I mean, I don't know if you were watching the Olympics, but no defense could fucking contain Kevin Durant. No. <laughs> at, the no. End of the, at the end of the day, when you have a Kevin Durant, it doesn't matter what type of defense you're throwing at them. 
Oh, that's a great point because, I mean, we can just say it. Like, we're expecting it to be a Lakers-Nets finals next year, barring injury. And you can't go out there expecting to only put up 98 or 100 points against the Nets. When yeah, no way. Yeah. You've got to be able to keep up with them and put up 120. And obviously, timely stops and things like that. But you need that firepower. So, yeah. Yeah, man. And the Lakers are the only ones that can match them with the three and with three big three and the shooting. So, man, it's going to be a I'm, – I'm so excited for this team. Don't have to hear about a contract extension. Don't have to hear about, oh, why am I not getting minutes, this, that. Like, I mean, yeah, everyone's on minimum contract, so it's like – Next summer, if they want to come back, great. If they retire, great. If they leave, great. We'll get another minimum contract guy. It's just the only player that potentially might come back next year, I guess, is probably like Kendrick Nunn. Yeah. Because he's got a player option for next year. So, I guess we never even talked about the THT signing. Yeah, he's back, man. THT's back. What do you get? Three years... Uh like 37 million or 34 maybe something like that damn they really prioritize THT clutch clutch client THT over Caruso (laughs) yeah man I mean do you think it's an upside thing oh 100% they feel I feel like they think that THT has the potential to be an all-star oh my gosh Caruso was never that yeah obviously I mean we everyone knows that like we love Caruso to death, but THT's got some skill, man. Like, I don't know if he's a hooper or a basketball player, but <laughs> <laughs> a hooping basketball player. Oh my god! But dude is twenty years old, bro. Twenty. He's younger than players that got drafted this year still. Oh my goodness! He's got championship experience. He's got playoff experience. He's learning what he needs to work on in the NBA. He knows he needs to get better at catch and shoot. He knows he needs to get better defensively. And he might be the starting two guard this year. Like, he really might. He knows the system. If he gets better defensively and can shoot a little bit better, like, I really like that idea. But he's got potential, man. Like, he actually can seriously do something in this league. And who knows if he will, right? Like, he could be a career six man. He could be a low-key starter on a good team or a bad team. But there's no doubt that he's got some serious potential. THT was uh, Rob Palinka's first trade as a Lakers GM from the Magic. I guess the Magic drafted THT. And what do you know? He goes and gets the clutch client. Um, and, right. and, 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 I mean, to be honest, yeah, I do like it. I, I, I've quickly got over the Caruso signing, the losing of Caruso, just because... Yeah, it's like, dude, so many people were upset, and I get it. But, like, now that we're kind of talking through this, it is true. Like, you know what you're getting out of Caruso. He has reached his ceiling. And even if he makes strides this season with the Bulls, like, it's not going to be a significant jump of, like, oh, eight points to to 20 points. You know what I mean? It's like he's probably going to increase to 12 points, still be a defensive stalwart. But the more you rely on a bench player – you're relying on a bench player. <laughs> it's it's right. You know, but THT the upside is so much there. He's got long arms. He could finish. He could. He's working on some of those jump shots, like turnarounds in the paint. And to be honest, even last season when he was working on some of those mid range shots during the game, you saw it in the finals, man. You see it in the Olympics, man. The mid range is not dead. No. Uh, and those shots Hell are gonna no. those shots are gonna matter uh, in big time games. So he shot fifty five percent from two last year. Average nine points a game. And he only shot 28% from three, and that's what I mean. Like, that, that's that got to go up. For his type of player, he's not a Russell Westbrook. He's got to be able to shoot those shots and make them consistently. But, man, I mean, again, we love Caruso. Super thankful for him. We'll get into that a little bit later. But Caruso's a guy you can find. You draft right, or you do this in the second round, or you go find the right guy to fit your system. You can find that guy. You can't find a six-four guy with a seven-one wingspan with the craftiness around the rim that Taylor Horton Tucker does. So to me, it was a no-brainer. If it was a decision between one or the other, no-brainer in my yeah. opinion. If THT had the same, because I'm gonna say this: if THT has the same work ethic as Caruso, his ceiling is gonna go way up. But, oh man! Yeah, you know what I mean. Like you can tell he's working, he's doing his thing. So, 
Yeah, I'm happy we stuck with THT. He's the younger guy. To be honest, with the, with the trade, we might as well get into it. With, with trading KCP, Kuz, letting Caruso walk, people are saying that's bad asset management. It's like, dude, how is it bad asset management when you got... You, you traded for Russell Westbrook, who's $44 million of cap space. Like, you let Dennis walk at that point. If no one's willing to take him, you let him walk. If that was holding up the Crusoe signing, you got to let him walk. Like, right. just because Jeannie's an owner of the Lakers and you think you just she has this unlimited checkbook, like, Balmers, like, Lakers are not giving up cash like that. We're not the Warriors. Like, Warriors are going to be a mid-ass team this year paying almost $100 million in, in a luxury tax. Like, you know, thinking three or four years down the line, you don't want to be in that position. No. Well, because yeah. there's also the repeater offense now for luxury tax where it's like the Lakers are paying luxury tax this year, so next year, whatever their luxury tax is, like the, it goes up by like 1x or something like that. Yeah. Um, so it's just, yeah, it's just, like I get it, man, but you can't count someone's wallet like that. Jeannie's not like, she's not one of the new age owners that's like wealthy as like, like you said, the Warriors, Joe Laker coming from VC money, Steve Ballmer, Windows, or Microsoft, like, she doesn't have money like that, and it's like, you're going to pay Alex Caruso $9 million or $10 million a year, great, which is really like $25 million with the luxury tax, or you could go get a, a minimum guy that's, you only have so many minutes in the backcourt anyway, you know what I mean? Russell Westbrook's going to play 36 minutes a game. Like, he's played that the last, like, 10 years of his career. LeBron's going to play those 32 to 36 minutes. Anthony Davis is going to play 32 to 36 minutes. Where are we going to find minutes for someone making $10 million who has to play? Like, THC has to play now. Yep. Which is fine. Like, I get it. But now you're going to have two guys two guys like that potentially coming off the bench? Like, no, I, just, I, I don't get it. We'd be probably having a whole different conversation if Caruso had stuck at that 57% shooting from three. (laughs) You know, it was like a whole different conversation, but even him shooting 40% from three this year, dude, he made 55 threes. Like, exactly. you know, the the volume isn't there. Like, if the volume from none, who shook 323s and made 122, it's like, okay, yeah, he's a knockdown three-point shooter. He has the volume there. Monk shot 212. Wayne Ellington last season shot 275. Those are those are that's what you want to see out of a player. Caruso was a shooter. Yeah, Caruso is a great glue guy. We hate to lose him, but unfortunately, that's what it that's what happens. You know, I can't imagine a Russell Westbrook Alex Caruso backcourt with LeBron out there and a five or whoever else is playing out there. There's already spacing concerns. Teams help off of Alex Caruso. That's why he shot forty percent from three. All of his, 90% of his threes were wide open. And he still, like you said, he only took, what, two and a half threes a game or something like that last year? Yeah. So, again, this is not bashing on Alex Caruso. It's just kind of defending the decision of not resigning him or not matching that offer and paying him $40 million over four years or whatever it was. Well, that's the funny thing with us, man. Like, we're really good at seeing both sides of the coin and understanding, like, what's done is done. There's no point of fucking... Holding on to it, you know what I mean? It's like he's gone, and dude, we got fucking Russell Westbrook. Like, it's <laughs> what are we complaining about, you know? And here's the other thing too: is like I wanted to mention earlier is like I don't know exactly how Russell Westbrook's gonna fit. Like, we really don't. Like, we could we could talk about it and try and figure it out, but it's such a question mark, man. Like, we don't know. I'm not. I would be shocked if it went poorly. I just mean more of. How is the offense going to work? How is the defense going to work? You just get the guy in the fucking building and you make it work. Yeah, exactly, man. Uh, it was funny when Rob introduced Russ and he was like, you know, the goal of this offseason was to get playmaking and shooting. And he almost, I felt like he almost said, we got that all in one player. And I was like, hey, bro, you better be cool. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, and we accomplished both of those goals this offseason. And we got our playmaker here. It's like, all right, yeah, he knows what's going to happen. Um, you got the playmaker, you got the shooters. Let's just figure it out, man. Like, let's enjoy just the roster we have now and just figure it out along the way. Will they be 21-6? and six? Probably not. But, hey, man, they're going to have a winning record, and they're going to be figuring it out. As long as they're healthy. You know what I mean? And I'm happy that AD's got his rest, LeBron got his rest. Like, I, I mean, even LeBron being 37 at the end of the year, he's still going to be LeBron James. <laughs> 
dude was gonna win MVP last year if he didn't get hurt. Like it's just that simple. So <clears throat> he's still LeBron James. But one other thing I wanted to say is why do people value depth so much in an NBA roster? Like is it just like so they can look at the two K roster and be like, boom, I can play my eleven man rotation when I'm doing my association or whatever it is. Like, dude, the Bucks were playing, like, seven people in the finals. And the last two rounds of the playoffs, they were playing, like, seven, six and a half people. Yeah, it's about the time. The Suns were going, like, eight people deep. <laughs> I know. It's about time Budenholzer figured it out. He's like, yeah, actually, maybe I should just play seven guys. <laughs> and look what exactly. happens. They win a championship, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And it's, it's good to have depth in the regular season. That Warriors team strength and numbers became super big, like, being super deep and having all these different guys but you know i think there was just also an emotional attachment to caruso and coos and kcp they've been there for how what four years right you know it's like everyone was still so tied to these baby lakers and it's like i'm so i'm so happy we're we moved on from it entirely you know there's no former players before um before rob took over and he got the most out of them while he did and now it's like you just move on you know, just, this isn't like back in the day. Maybe it's also back in the day, man. You know, players would stick around for like six, seven, eight years as role players too. Um, and that's just not the way the league's built these days. Right. I mean, depth is depth, but, you know, I'd rather be top-heavy like this and pray that everyone stays healthy and get it done than to, you know, be a little bit more deep with two stars. Well, and that's the thing too is like we were pretty excited about the Lakers' depth going into last year. And it's like, if your stars get hurt, you're not winning the title anyway. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. what does depth do you at that point? Yeah. The depth wasn't even great when those guys were out. Like it didn't exactly. exactly. We, were, we, were, we were toting the defense, and it's like, I mean, <laughs> it's just so funny you know, thinking back to it. It's like, defense was lit, but, you know, what if they have this good of defense and improve their offense? What if they're like a top 10 defense, but are a top, top 8 offense this season instead? I'll trade that. Any day of the week. Exactly. Well, I think we've talked enough about Caruso to to jump into the saying bye to these guys, right? It's been real. To Kuz, uh, man, that first year when he was a rookie, I thought the Lakers had whew, the steal of draft. Dude was better. <laughs> Dude was better than Lonzo. Averaging almost like what nineteen points a game, shooting the hell out of the ball. Low key better than Ingram too. No, yeah, he was. <laughs> at, the, at, at the time, he was. He sacrificed. He did his thing. Um, he stayed to course. Like twenty twenty, like he helped bring a title. At the end of the day, he played his role well, um, and he seems like he's ready for that stage of his career where like he wants to go show like kind of what he feels like he can be as an NBA player instead of being just a role player. We'll see how it works out, but man, he probably brings Banner or seventeen. So, no complaints on Kuz. I mean, now he's just—I think he's just ready to take the leap from being a basketball player on the Lakers to being a hooper on the Wizards. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. Can't knock that. Can't <laughs> knock that. Go get your twenty. Um, and you could kind of feel it. You know, he was so quiet to the media, saying, "Playing my role, playing that." And you know, he's just ready to take that leap as a player, um, have more responsibility. You know, he gets to go out there with Kuz or KCP and Harold as well, so some familiar faces. But, you know, I mean, if that was a ceiling with Kuz, you know, we got to – remember he hit that game winner against the Nuggets in the bubble? Oh, yeah, man. That was Dude. a beautiful play call, by the way. That yeah. shit was great. A wonderful yeah. play call. He had buckets. I remember I watched – oh, I think it was a game where LeBron – it was against the Rockets. Anyway, I think it was uh, LeBron, Lonzo, and Kuz, and then – like Lakers were in there, Kuz was probably put up like 35, 40 points, and then Lonzo went down and they fucking lost. And I was like, I cannot believe I'm upset that Lonzo's out and Kuz is scoring and they lose this game. Like, he but he was there. He was the one putting up buckets, you know. Right. And he wrote LA hard, and it was cool to read his Players Tribune article. Like, these guys really feel like they they're Lakers for life because they are. And mm-hmm. just like how we fucking remember Jordan Farmar and Sasha Vujicic and Shannon Brown, we're going to remember Kuz, KCP, and Caruso down the line. Oh, 100%. Yeah. They're etched in forever, man. KCP, salute. 
Man, salute. Big salute, bro. Big, big, big salute, salute, bro. I'll never forget that 2020 playoffs run, man. He was hitting like crazy. That drive, what was it, in game four or five? Oh, oh man. man. <laughs> we were oh, wild, <laughs> He hit the layup, the, the righty lay-in. Oh, bruh. And then even last year, dude, remember that game against the Bucks? I think he went like seven and nine from three. That might have been like his last good game as a Laker. <laughs> <laughs> man, good times, man. The manna from heaven. The manna from heaven, bro. My God, he shot in the twenty twenty bubble in the first round. He shot forty percent from three. Second round, he shot forty two percent from three. Western Conference Final, he shot forty four percent from three. The finals, he shot 30% from three, so we don't really need to talk about that. But, man, he was so important to this team. All he did was chase guys around screen defensively, work his heart out defensively, shoot threes, didn't ask for the ball, did his thing, and, again, helped bring the banner number 17 back where it belongs. Brought it back to where it belongs. And I do kind of feel bad because last season, dude, you could remember he was hurt, like, all year. Yeah. He didn't it sit just out. could not get right. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't sit out. And that, I'll always remember that, man. KCP was a real one. Straight up real one. And, again, the most important thing, he was the connection for Rob to talk to Rich Paul about LeBron James. So, manna exactly. from heaven. Manna from heaven, bro. Thank you. Thank Jeez. you, KCP. KCP with the burner account. That was fucking <laughs> funny, too, in the bubble, man. That was hilarious. Um, oh, man, I missed the KCP burner, bro. So to the other side of free agency, the two guys that, the, the, the six men, uh, Dennis and Harold, didn't get paid. Uh, <laughs> uh, I kind of feel bad for Dennis, not going to lie. I also feel kind of bad for Harold because yeah. he, he was kind of forced into opting in. You know, he probably, but again, maybe his market wasn't too good after last season, dude. Who's trying to sign a, a big man who didn't even play minutes in the playoffs exactly exactly so who knows if he would have got that full MLE amount so him and Rich Paul probably talked and was like yo this might be the most you can get you might as well do it go to a team that really doesn't have a good five get some minutes get some buckets try and rebuild your value for next year and I do have to say I did enjoy, I did actually enjoy watching Trez play though it was fun he was he was a good guy off the bench especially on offense um he was all over the place. He had those long arms. He had plenty of games where he'd go like 8 for 11. It'd <laughs> just be dominating down there. Dude, and his hands, bro, he yeah. caught everything. Like, everything. And to be honest, I, he probably would have... Oh, I wish we could have saw a playoff Harold if Drummond never showed up. Oh, man. Dude. I think Harold must have known his... His big contract was not going to happen when Drummond signed for, what, the minimum? <laughs> yeah, I don't, man. Yeah, he was like, okay, yeah, I need to opt in for real, for real. Like, I can't believe that. Drummond was so bad. Dude, um, oh, man, that was – that's what I was saying earlier. Like, I hope Rob Polinka learned his lesson with some guys he brings in, man. Because, man, he just wasn't the right fit. And – he just never could figure it out. Maybe it would have been a little different if he had the whole year with the team. Maybe. But it just wasn't the right fit, man. He was kind of the guy that we were expected to save the team. And uh, in hindsight, we were wrong. <laughs> 100% wrong. Um, yeah. Well, like, to give ourselves credit, <laughs> just a little bit, we were wrong. But I also feel like we both thought that he was going to buy in. And he mm. didn't. Yeah. So he was coming in expecting to be a 30-minute-a-night guy, get his rebounds, also get his post-touches. When it's like, bro, you got Anthony Davis on the other block, you should not get a single post-touch. Drummond had the worst hands, bro. Dude. I'm so unathletic. When he, when he had the one – he had a missed – he had his token missed dunk a game, and, like, we would always <laughs> – Every single time we text each other, like, oh, there it is. We got that out of the way. Yeah. A quick early first quarter miss dunk, you already know. Oh, it's good, bro. And it's like, oh, then we're good for the rest of the game, hopefully. Like, that was that was the one. But, man. Dude, that 20-10 game he had against the Nets, I think, in his third game as a Laker, came back to bite us in the fucking ass. Dude. That, like, we, that set the bar so high. It was like, oh, yes, we can't wait for him to do this. And then, dude, just... 
Yeah, man. I mean, and again, like I just think it was a horrible fit. He wasn't willing to be Dwight. He's not Dwight. <laughs> he's not Dwight. But like he wasn't willing. Yeah, I mean, he's never been that defender. You're right, but he can't catch. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm just over it. You could still good, throw. Good you could still throw Dwight a lob right now, and he'll still throw it down two hands. Right. Dwight can get an offensive rebound and get fouled. <laughs> you know, like I don't even know if I saw Drummond get fouled on a rebound last year. He was terrible at rebounding. For a guy who averages, what, 15 a game? That was some of the worst rebounding I've ever seen. Do you know he averages he averaged 10 rebounds a game as a Laker last year? Yeah, they all just <laughs> bounce right to him. No, yeah. No, like every single one I was like, oh, there it is, right to him. But like on a big-time rebound, like I didn't trust him to get that board. Yeah, no way, man. I'm glad that we replaced him with Dwight. Dwight's gonna. He knows his role. He's gonna be good. He was here during the championship. And sorry, Dennis. Dude, I'm with you. Like, I feel a little bad. Like, dude was supposed to get paid, but man, coming in expecting to start on a championship team, like that should have been a red flag last year for us. I don't know who was gonna start over him. Actually, no. I take that back. We talked about it in our first episode last year. I said, we. I think I said, or we both said. KCP and Wes Matthews should start, and Dennis should come off the bench. Yes, because because well, that, that's what happened with uh, Avery Bradley and Danny Green. Right, we didn't and need a point guard out there. KCP and Danny Green. We didn't need a point guard out there. <laughs> and he, he just bogged it down. Like it was just a rough fit. I think Dennis is one of those players where his three point percentage is misleading. He's not a floor spacer by any means. For one, his shot takes, like, roughly six seconds to get up. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, he shot 33% from three last year, which obviously is not good enough. But the year before, he shot 38% with the Thunder. But, like, he was not a floor spacer. Like, no one respected his shot because it took him so long for it to get up, along with it just wasn't, like, a great shot. It just – he's a decent shooter, don't get me wrong. But I wonder how many of those threes that he made with the Thunder – or when, K- when CP3 was on the court with him. I can't, I, well, I'd be curious to see how many of those 125 threes that he made with the Thunder were catch and shoot off the dribble. I think most of them were catch and shoot, which got us excited because it's like, oh, dude, LeBron, this, that. But when LeBron's out for half the, more than half the season, it's like, dude, there's, <laughs> who are we going to rely on feeding him? Caruso? Right. You know, and that's kind of what happened. <laughs> Caruso, now they're both gone. Um, Imagine if he had would have signed that extension. In oh, he'd be in Washington right now. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think we would have been able to keep anyone? Uh, probably KCP, actually. Oh, that would have been nice. Because it probably would have been Kuz, Harrell, Schroeder, and a first-round pick. Maybe an extra first-round pick at some point or something. The Dennis saga is over. Dude, over, bro. And I'm so glad, man. Yeah. Just yeah, it just again like I think that was one of I wonder if like Rob was given a true serum if he would do that trade over again with Danny Green. I would guess no. That'd be my hunch because we gave up a first round pick and Danny Green to get this guy, and yeah. we could have just started Danny Green, who played very well for the Sixers last season. By the way, he's a vet's vet man. Like he's a shooter. He plays defense. Like that's all that matters and. The Lakers were looking for a playmaker, and that's why they went down this route. He actually averaged almost a career high in assists last year as a Laker, which his stats look a lot better than I felt like he played at times. Um, it's even worse. <laughs> right. You know, we, we were there all season. You know what I mean? And it's just like, I can't believe that. 15, he averaged 15-6. And half. Like, I don't know, man. Did not feel like it. No. I was at that. I was at that game six, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I did not see fifteen six in, in three and a half whatsoever, man. Oh Jesus Christ! Yeah, and it's just, man. He was a good point of attack defender. Like he was good at guarding the guy with the ball, but you could not run a switching defense with him out there because he's so small. He wasn't yeah, great at fighting it. through screens. He wasn't great off ball defensively. I just, yeah, I'm just glad it's over, man. Obviously. With the asset management thing you mentioned earlier, like it would have been nice to get something back for him. But who wanted to trade for Dennis Schroeder? No one was trying to get hard cap for Dennis Schroeder this season. 
it would have been one thing if, like, going, like, throughout this offseason, it would have been, like, oh, X team is interested in Dennis Schroeder. X team is interested in Dennis Schroeder. Z team is interested in Dennis Schroeder. Bro, it was, like, there was, like, one report about the Knicks, and then they signed Kemba, like, the next day. And then all of a sudden the Celtics came around, and that was it. Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure whatever they offered Kemba, the Knicks, was what they were probably offering Dennis, and he was like, "No, nah, I want more." And they're like, "All right, well, sorry, <laughs> you're they're not like, gonna." All right, bet, yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah. Now he's a Celtic. Funny as hell. <laughs> but you texted me something interesting the other day, so I did like a little research about the Lakers paying players over a hundred million dollars. Four players in Lakers history have gotten four hundred or hundred million dollar contracts. Do you know who they are? Shaq, seven years, one twenty-six. Damn, I don't think Kobe got one. Did he Kobe? Did. He did. Yeah, he got that seven-year, one thirty-six. Oh, when Shaq left. Right when Shaq left, yeah. Yeah, Kobe, Shaq. I can't imagine any player in the '80s getting a hundred mil. Am I right there? You're right. Yep. Yeah, because yeah, Magic got that like that twenty-year, twenty-million-dollar contract, which is ridiculous. Okay, so yeah, that <laughs> did Pal get one? Nope, he got a ninety-million-dollar deal. Don't tell me Bynum got one. Nope. Nope. Damn. Yeah, I'm stumped, bro. They're on the team, bro. Anthony Davis and LeBron. Oh, no way. I didn't even think about that. Let's yep. go. And Let's... Anthony Davis has the biggest contract in Lakers history right now. Wow. What a time. What, what a time. Five years, 190 mil, bro. Dude, the Lakers almost gave that up for Carmelo. Right. They almost gave that up for LaMarcus Aldridge. Oh, <laughs> but dude, think about those names in comparison to Dennis Schroeder. Exactly. That's the reason why I wanted to bring it up when we were talking about Dennis, bro. Damn. Good point, man. See? Yeah. Laker Legends, bro. Laker like, Legends, that's it. Damn. You hang man. a banner, you get a hundred or you hang a banner and your jersey gets retired, you get a hundred mil. If not, you out of happening, bro. One thing I did want to touch on to end here was so the new rules what do you think about the new rules oh, about yeah. officials like no leaning into players like they gave the examples of like one of the, the example of the offensive foul was off from Steph Curry of all people you know what I mean no dude did you see the whole thread like three of them were Steph bro <laughs> oh dude there was more well maybe I saw there were seven tweets uh, maybe there was more added to it but yeah damn that's crazy. Yeah, uh, and it's funny because, like, Steph's not the guy, like, you think about with that kind of stuff. Um, at least for me personally, like, it's not. For me, it's Trey Young and James Harden, like, off top. But it's interesting, like, Steph kind of has morphed into that, which, I mean, again, I'm not blaming Steph because, like, the NBA rules allowed him to do that. And, like, I guess I kind of feel the same way about James Harden and Trey Young now where it's like, well, I mean, what are they, like, they're being smart. Like, they're doing what the rules, even if it bugs the shit out of me at times, like, they're playing in the rules. Um, but I'm excited for it, man. Like, a lot of those fouls were, like, they weren't, like, I'm trying to think of the right, like, they weren't in the spirit of the game, it didn't feel like. Not at all, man. Dude, exactly. Those, I think it, there was one point in the, um, Game seven or game six of the Nets Bucks, and Harden on left side of the court did his his little crossovers, pump faked, and got fouled. And then he tried to do it the next time down, and Giannis completely dodged him, and he just fell on the ground. It's like, dude, look how stupid you look. Like, right. is that the strategy? I don't know. It's like, dude, just try to try to make the regular shot. If you get fouled, you get fouled. But like, it's just a, it was unenjoyable to watch and. I'm not. I'm all for those being no calls, but if they're gonna start handing out offensive fouls for that type of shit, James Harden and Trey Harden, Trey Young are gonna be in for a long season. Long season, bro. Yeah. There's a couple of the moves right where it's like a three pointer pump fakes or a three point shooter pump fakes, and the guy comes directly into him and he leans it or he goes up like straight up and he gets fouled. Boom! That's a foul. I get it. But the yeah. defender like lands two feet or a foot in front of you and you lean into him and you still get that foul call like what is the defender supposed to do at that point yeah remember i think it was last season where dennis got elbowed in the face by steph curry and that yep. was a foul. like if if that should be reviewable this next season to say that's an offensive foul on steph curry 
Like that's Agreed. that is that is that is the play right there. Um, but to your point about the closeouts, like if the clo- if the guy closing out is to the to the far left or far right of the player and the shooter's leaning into them to the left like that, that sh- that shouldn't be called. Like that's no. those those are calls that I'm just like, dude, yeah, this it's, t- it's taking out the fun of the game. You're just trying to draw a foul. You're not trying to get the bucket. Like get the bucket. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's you way get more a foul. Ex- great. Like go to the free throw line. Like I get it. Like you earn the free throws, but I think one thing. <laughs> That's good is I don't think any of our stars play like that. So I don't think it's going to affect us really that much, which is good, like really good cuz it's going to I feel like it's going to be a clunky first month of the season trying to figure it out for everybody. Yeah. But LeBron can't get a fucking foul call to save his life anymore. He's got the weirdest whistle in the league, dude. I swear to god. It's and like I feel like you have to watch every game to get it cuz like he still, yeah, he shot 5.7 free throws last year a game. Like is that career last low? Two years. Last two years were career lows at 5.7, both. And, like, yeah, he's not going to the rim with the same force as he was. But dude is getting fouled almost every single time he goes. And then I swear to God, like, the times he doesn't get fouled, he gets the foul call. And that's what goes on Twitter. And people are like, well, why does LeBron get these foul calls? And it's like, dude, just watch all the games. Man. He's <laughs> not getting that many foul calls, I promise you. He's really not. Um, I'd be curious to see what his career high in free throws was last year, like, over the last two years, you know? Like, right. I mean, it's not like we're expecting him to shoot 18 or, you know, 15 to 18 free throws a game, but, like, He's always in the play. Like he I shot fourteen, so he shot over nine free throws five times last year. What? And he, his his season high was fourteen in a February game against the Grizzlies, which was like I want to say the game or two before he got hurt. Yeah, exactly. Oh, dude, it was the exactly. game that it was the game where yeah he, they went twenty one and six. <laughs> AD got oh, hurt the next day. Oh, my God. Oh, Jesus. <sighs> Damn, simpler times, man. Simpler, simpler times. times, dude. I guess the last thing I want to bring up to you before we head out is, so, Jason Kidd's gone. Lionel Hollins is gone. Frank Vogel got his extension. Did they add any assistant coaches since then? They brought Mike Penberthy to the bench. He was their shooting coach. He's now an assistant coach. Mm, okay. They also let that uh, their their trainer go. The head trainer. Oh, they got no. David Fisdale. That's right. Oh, right, right. Oh, defense. Okay, dude. Yes, let's go. I wonder what um, Fisdale and um, Vogel's defensive defensive schemes are going to look like this season. That's exciting. I, the one thing I can think of is this whole season, bro. It comes down to. Anthony fucking Davis. If he's their he, best player. If he's bubble Anthony Davis, this team's going to win a title. If not, like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how good Russ is. It doesn't matter how good LeBron is. This team comes back to Anthony Davis. He's got to be He's got to be in running for defensive player of the year next year, and he's got to finish top seven, top six in MVP voting. I think so, he'll be top five. Yeah, so, like, that's why he has to be that. And if not, it doesn't matter. None of these moves matter. He's got to be back there, and he can't he can't come out out of shape, overweight into next season like he did last year. It just can't happen. He's 28 years old, man. He's the youngest, youngest, youngest star on the team. He's got to be the man. Like, he's got to. He has to be. He's got to average at least 26 to 27 points this season. He has to, dude. Like, he yeah. just, there's just no other choice, man. Like, he, and I, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt for last year. They won a title. They had a short period between the bubble and the start of the regular season. He thought he could play himself into shape. I get it. Like, it's cool. He had that first championship hangover, but that shit's over, bro. If he wants to be remembered as a great, an all time Lakers great, then he's got to come out and prove it again this year. Yeah, man, he's got to get the All-NBA, All-NBA defense, be an MVP candidate, and a defensive player of the year candidate. Like, that's, I think, and, and, you know, it's silly. Those are four things where it's like, dude, you're asking for too much. But, no, it's Anthony Davis. Dude, Anthony, people were calling Anthony Davis the top five player in the league, out of the bubble at least. He's got to get back there and show why he's that player. 
and show why he's actually up there with the Giannis's, you know? Exactly. exactly. Like, he, how he's one of the best bigs. And, I mean, whatever. He might not have anything to prove, but it's like, this is who he is. This is the guy. We, he got a championship in his first year as a Laker. I think he dropped, like, what, nearly 50 points in his first 10 games as a Laker. And, uh, you know, it's that's the, that's the AD we, we do. That's the AD we're going to get. And if we don't get that, then we're going to start shitting on him just like every other player. <laughs> He's going to get the dentist treatment next year. Like, I don't want to do that. No. I don't want to do that, man. All right, man. Well, that's a good time to put a wrap on this one. First episode of the second season in the books. We're going to be definitely be back more throughout the season, having more episodes. And, man, let's go Lakers, bro. Mac McClung. <laughs> <laughs> Are we out? All right, bro. All right. Could be looking at you from a freeway trailer. <laughs>